Acts chapter 20. They shut the door just as she got there, so I think that's why she turned around. Help us to serve you. Not ourselves, but you. Open our eyes and our hearts to what you require of us, what you expect of us. Humble us, Father, that we would be your servants now and right on into eternity. Thank you for the example of Paul and what we see in the book of Acts. How faithful he was to the ministry of your word. Open our hearts, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 20. And I, I, sooner or later I'm going to learn to slow down and not to try to think I can bite off and chew a big piece of Scripture all in one week. Because it, it never fails when I try to do that that I have to go back the next week and go over it all again because I missed so much from my notes from the week before. Some of what we went a little in depth last week, I will breeze over so that we can get to today's passage, the rest of last week's passage. But I'm also going to take some time to expound a little bit on last week as well. As we get, um, remember Paul's on his way. He's uh, making a beeline for Jerusalem. He wants to be there by Pentecost. He didn't make it by Passover. He only missed by 50 days. Well, back then, you know, that's, that's not that much when you got to walk and take a boat and, you know, it's not, not like today we can hop on an airplane and be halfway around the world in seven hours, you know. So... In uh, verse 17, he bypasses Ephesus because he doesn't want to stop and get caught up there because he knows he will in in the ministry and he knows he'll get caught up in talking to the elders of the church there. So he sails past Ephesus and he goes down to Miletus and, and and he sends back to Ephesus and says to the leaders of the church, come talk with me, come see me here. Verse 18, he says, When they had come to him there in Miletus, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. And there 
He's talking about his time with the people, the fellowship. And we do know that with our neighbors today, and, and school teachers can tell you even more, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that, you know, that, that's a cute little phrase, but it is so true. People want to know that you care about them. And Paul had a heart for them to minister to them. And he spent three years with them in Ephesus. As we recall, he, he, from, from Ephesus, when the uproar happened in the, the theater there, the city clerk finally called him down, but Paul took off and went up around through, uh, let's see, what was the Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea before he got down to, to uh, Corinth, and he spent about three months there, and while he was there, he wrote the letter to the Romans. Now he's kind, kind of coming in reverse and heading back to Jerusalem. But he, he, he's, he, he's not done with those guys in Ephesus. He's got more to share with them. In verse 19, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plot of the Jews. This is where I'm going to kind of step, step outside of the Acts bit for just a minute, and a few minutes, and, and share. Ask you to turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Now, I read this passage a lot and refer to it a lot. And today I want to slow down when I read it. We need to understand the gravity of this, of this passage. We need to understand what it means. We need to understand what it means to serve. I know in the kitchen yesterday... We, we could hear Priscilla a little bit, and, and there's, a, there's a few things, a few times that I thought, huh, that kind of sounds familiar. I think I've said that a few times. She's copying from me. <laughs> well, she's just taking it from the Word of God, because that's where I'm taking it from, all right? We've, we've, we've got to know and believe, and more importantly, okay, here we go. You want to talk about cliches or cute little sayings? Our talk talks and our walk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. It is so true, people. It is so true. Our walk talks louder than our talk talks. How are you walking? How you walking when it comes to this thing of being a servant? And we're going to see from this passage in one in Romans that, that humility is involved, which gets back to my saying, which I think I, I think I heard Priscilla say yesterday, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about God. It's all about the Word of God getting into people's hearts and lives and changing lives. To be more like Jesus. And as much as we like, you know, psychologists would say, man, preacher, you should never be saying that from the pulpit. People have a big enough problem with self-esteem as it is. Well, it's not about self-esteem. It's about Jesus' esteem. 
How much do we esteem him? How much does he mean in our lives? Because I'll tell you what, if you put him first, most of the time, got to be careful what I say here. I need to, <laughs> I need to be polite. Most of the time, the self-esteem isn't going to be an issue. If we know who we are in relationship to Jesus Christ, and we know who he is, that he's the creator of the universe, and he knows my name. As insignificant and little as I am in the realm of history, he knows my name. Because he is the creator. He is the author of life. It's not about me. It's all about him. Philippians chapter 2. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. I'm going to skip ahead real quick because th this verse is in the next passage I want to read in Romans. But it, but it ties so closely to this. Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. If, if I am in, in, I know you've heard this illustration before, I've used it. But to stop and really contemplate it, to think about it. If I'm sitting next to, uh, I'm John, I'll say I'm Johnny, he's Jimmy. I'll say if I'm standing next to Jimmy and we work together and, and we're good friends and we've been, we've been working for this, we're, we're both working for the same promotion. And he gets it. What is my first thought? What is my first reaction? Makes me think of that, that little boy from my illustration a few, several weeks ago now. Comes up to the preacher after the, after the revival service and the, he says that he tells the preacher that he wanted to, to ask Jesus into his heart, but he didn't know if he should because Jesus was a whole lot bigger than him and Jesus would probably just stick out all over because he was just a little guy. And of course, the evangelist says, that's what it's all about. Just having Jesus stick out all over. But when Jimmy gets that promotion that I was going for, and I really needed that pay raise that went with that, and I really wanted the, the prestige that went with that, because people would notice me then, which is wrong motive off the bat, but how do I react to Jimmy? He and I are friends. We've been working together for a long time. What is the intent of my heart? How happy am I for him? Or is my first thought about me and what I can't do or what I won't be or how people won't look at me or how they will look at me now because I didn't get that promotion? 
And the verse in Romans 12 says, Weep with those that re- weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Do I? Really? With humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. If Jimmy's more important than I am, I am going to be happy for Jimmy. And it's not going to be just some fake, fake facade I'm going to put on, because really I'd like to go break down and cry because I didn't get it. No, it's going to be real. It's going to be genuine because I put him before me. A very, very, very simple thing of that is opening the door for somebody. I want to hurry in and, you know, that, 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 that toy of the year is on sale for Christmas and I want to get that for my grandkid. And if I let this person go in, they might get the last one on the shelf and then I, you know... Open the door and let them go in. I know, you don't have to open the doors. Most, most doors, the doors automatically open anymore. Anyhow, I, get, I know, I get that. And, and for a long time, the, the women's lib movement said, I can open that door. I'm not handicapped. I, you know, I can open it myself. Put other people before yourself. I mean, that's just such a simple, basic way to do it. It's raining outside. My dew's going to get messed up. Hold the door open. Yeah, I know. I don't have much of one, Gordon. I, I know. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but when it comes down to practical, everyday stuff, do we love our neighbor more than ourselves? Do we love the person sitting next to you in the pew? And, okay, spouses don't count. You have to. That, 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 that goes with the contract. But what, what about, now we didn't have too big a fight over the color of the carpet. I wanted orange, but. <laughs> Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. It doesn't say to ignore your own. He created us. He knows what we're like. We, he knows we have desires and interests. So it's not that we're to ignore them. It's just that I'm supposed to put yours before mine. Have this attitude, verse 5, Philippians 2, 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of the bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is hard. It's the biggest reason I don't like these headsets. Then you have to hear that. Stephen's been bugging me for months. We've had this on the shelf over there for quite a while. He's been bugging me for a long time. I just started wearing it a couple weeks ago. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself to become obedient to the Father. I think this is something I heard Priscilla say yesterday too, is, how did it go? He didn't come to be heard. He came to be obeyed. Something like that? Does any of you ladies remember that from yesterday? He, he didn't come to be heard. He came to be obeyed. I mean, that, that's, how, that's how we know if, that we're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's how we know somebody else is a believer in Jesus Christ, is if they're obeying the Word of God. Because if they have absolutely none, none, no, no intent to, to follow and obey the Word of God and, and the commandments and what God, then, then they're not a Christian, okay? And it's kind of like we know if you don't have the Holy Spirit that you don't have Jesus. Because if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. But God's own Son, Jesus Christ, was willing to empty Himself and become a servant for you. He was obedient to the Father to the point of death. He died on the cross for you. Are you willing to die for your neighbor? Are you willing to humble yourself and put others so much before yourself? Romans chapter 12. I want to read the whole chapter. Yeah. We've been going through Romans in our men's Bible study. And and so often we'll learn a verse here or a verse there that means something. And we started going through Romans 12 as the chapter as a whole. And it was like, oh my goodness. This chapter is just loaded. It is loaded. But to stop and put them all together, we don't always do that. But I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Write down Psalm 51 and read that later. That you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay, remember Jimmy in that promotion? 
and he got it and I didn't. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. A couple weeks ago again, back to Acts, and then to Hebrews 10, or Hebrews 10. We, we read that one verse about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And that's not the point of that passage. The point of that passage is you need to be here so we can encourage you and we need to be here so you can encourage us. That passage is about encouraging one another and if you're not here, we can't encourage you. We can't encourage you in your spiritual walk. We, we can't encourage you in your faith walk if you're not here. And besides, when you're not here, we miss out. Because you're not here to encourage us. Now the Hebrews 10.25 verse where it says, talks about forsaking the assembling. Yes, we need to have the right attitude. And, and you know, it's, it's important what our attitude is when we come here each week. One, that we, we look forward to, to meeting with God and, and meeting and, and, and hearing His Word. And two, the fellowship of other believers. So that passage isn't about poking somebody in the eye, although it does address that and we, we need to have the right attitude. We need to make sure that we want to be here and that we're coming. But again, that passage is to encourage one another. We need you because you have gifts that I don't have. And I have gifts that you don't have. And you have gifts that she doesn't have. And you have gifts that he doesn't have. And in order for it to work together, we all got to be here using our gifts. And if you're not, shame on you. Because the body's hurting without you. I know you're here, so why are you preaching to me, preacher? I'm here. Today. But, and you can be here without using your gifts. You need to be here. You need to be present. You need to be using the gifts that God's given you to encourage and lift up the body. Back to the humbling ourselves and putting others before ourselves. Well, I stubbed my toe yesterday. I'm not going to go to church today. It's going to be hard to get my shoe on. Come barefoot. You need to be here. We need you to hear. And you need us. The collective us. We have gifts that differ. Oh, I think I just said that. Thank you. This is where I got that from. <laughs> Verse 6. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, 
or he who exhorts in his exhortation, and that's what Paul's doing to the leaders from Ephesus that have come down to Miletus. He's exhorting and encouraging them. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows with mercy with cheerfulness. Verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Teach you one of my one of my three famous words in my life that are always fun. Bambufu. Anybody know what that is? Okay. My my French teacher when we were in, in Belgium and I was trying to learn French, bless her heart. I wanted to, I was so bad. It was a two-week head start. You go in the morning and then you work in the afternoon. You go for like three or four hours in the morning to learn conversational French so you can get along and, you know, go to the store and, hi, how are you doing, you know, and your numbers and, you know, just general light conversation. And I was so bad at it, she offered to have me back for another two weeks. <laughs> Got you know there there was about twelve people in the class and you know she you went, when you were trying to learn a new word to pronounce it she'd have everybody pronounce she always came to me last <laughs> I tried so hard and that just isn't my gift um, but but I, I I wanted to come back I, I wanted to come back for the second week because I, I was frustrated that I couldn't get it and and there was a situation with a particular person at work that was in the chain of command above me that would not allow me to go back for a second week and uh, or a second a second two weeks and she said well i know all about him bambufu i was like what does that mean and she says that means you can you can see right through them they're they're a very shallow person they, they, they're, they're, there's not a lot of content to who they are. So it's a, it's a word from Rwanda. It's not French. It's, it's the old, was it the French Congo? Yeah, it was the old French Congo because that's where she had grown up. And that was a, a, a Rwandan, now called Rwanda, not the Congo. The word that she brought with her, bambufu. You can, you can see right through somebody and you can see how shallow they are. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be bambufu. Okay? Don't, don't be bambufu. There's also the other, on the other side, you've got the word sincerity that's used in the New Testament. It means without wax. Potter making a pot. If he was not a, if he was an unscrupulous fellow and not an honest character, if it had a crack in it, he, he would melt some wax and fill in the crack and then try to paint over it with some sand and, and whatever else. And of course, they had to leave those pots in the shadows so the sun didn't shine on that pot and heat it up and the, the, the wax would melt out. So to be sincere is to be without wax. So be sincere, not bambufu. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. There it is again. You mean i got to put Jimmy in front of me because he got the promotion. I have to honor that? 
That ought to be the first thought in my heart. It's to give him a high five and bless him and be happy for him. That's not normal. No, that's not normal. That's not the way the world reacts. We're not supposed to be of the world. We're in it, but we shouldn't be of it. So yeah, that should be our first response to Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy got it. Say, Pastor, you're pushing the envelope here. No, I'm not. That's the beginning. That's where it's supposed to start. Is that we would have a heart that puts other people before ourselves. That we're not thinking about ourselves. Because it's not about me. It is about Him. Not lagging behind. Let's see. Verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints. There's that again. Be here so you can encourage us, we can encourage you, you can use your gifts, we can use our gifts to make one body. Bless those, oh, wait a minute. Bless those that persecute. You know, just because he got that, that promotion, that's one thing, but now he's going to persecute me? Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Nothing worse, and I'm sure you've probably all had examples in your life. Nothing worse than walking into a funeral and somebody's trying to make it, wants to, wants to be the loud mouthpiece and make it about them and not about the, the family and the person who passed. It just, that, yeah, that's not, that's not a good scene. Be of the same mind toward one another. Okay, and we talked back to, to Philippians 2. Whose mind? Not your mind, not my mind, but his mind. If my mind is the same, on the same track with his, and yours is, and yours is, and yours is, then we can have the same mind. We can be of one mind. And that's what we're told to do and be. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as depends on you. Be at peace with all men. Now there's some that... (laughs) I was going to make a comment about my mother-in-law in peace. I I have a wonderful mother-in-law. I have been blessed... I'm very grateful for my mother-in-law. But there's the jokes and, you know, there, there are some people you just can't get along with. Because no matter what you say, you know, it's a beautiful sunshiny day. Oh, it's raining out. It's yucky. It's too cold. It's too hot. Whatever. They're, they're going to disagree with you no matter what you say. Well, you can't be responsible for them and their baggage. You've got to carry your own. <laughs> can't carry everybody else's 
But as much as is in your heart, as much as you can control through the power of the Holy Spirit, be at peace with all men. And, and this is <laughs> this verse, the, the whole reason I want to read this is, is, is this verse. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The, the phrase, but leave room. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. If, if we get mad at somebody, what we take is revenge, and that word is based in sin. If we let God, leave it to God, okay, he doesn't take revenge, he takes vengeance. Vengeance is a judicial word found in the law, and it means righteous and justice. God, because he is the judge, can carry out what he knows should be carried out against that person that we want to take revenge against. Remember, revenge is sinful, so that's ours. Vengeance is justice handed out by God. And it's just and it's right. We are not smart enough to know how to do that judging, okay? We did not write the law. He did. It's his law to judge. So we need to let him do the, the judging. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. There's, there's the, the, the idea or the concept there. Is, I, I want to I apply it to another situation. I, I am not a big one in, in, uh, of getting up in front of, of the church and listing people's names and what they've done for the Lord this week. Because if I do that, then you're receiving your glory and your reward from men. I would much rather make room, leave room for God to give you your reward in eternity. So if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. I'm not going to stand up here and list the name of the men that helped yesterday. And, and there's other things at other times that I am not going to stand here and list names. Because I don't want to be the one responsible for stealing your reward from God. And you might say, well, that's kind of silly, Pastor. No, understand we appreciate what you do in the church. And I'll probably come up and say thank you to your face. But I'm not going to, I don't want to rob your, your reward from, from getting it from men. I want to Leave room for God. That, that your reward would be in heaven, not here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I hope most of you, all of you, would rather get your glory from God than from one another. It's going to be so much better coming from Him. Tell, I'm telling you, it's going to be so much better coming from Him than to walk around and get attaboys and pats on the back from us. Now, there's nothing wrong with encouraging one another. There's nothing wrong with saying thank you. 
But I'm not going to call you out in front of the, in front of the, auditor- the, the, the group because I want to leave room for God to bless you in eternity. So how do you serve? Do, do you serve with the goal of being the praise of men? Do you serve with the goal of having the attention drawn to you? Or do you serve because you love God? Do you serve because you want His purpose to be carried out in your life, in the church's life, and in your neighbor's life? We should all serve. We're expected to, we're required to, we're told to. We need to serve one another. There's no question about that. And Paul, as we get back to Acts chapter 20, on his way back to Jerusalem, says, guys, I'm serving you with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. But I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Paul says, this is my ministry to you. I am here to serve you. Back to last week, we talked about verse 28 as being the thesis of the passage. Paul is telling the elders, the bishops, the the spiritual leaders of the church in Ephesus that have come down to Miletus, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among the Holy which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then kind of the uh, 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 subtitle underneath that was verse 24. I do not consider my life on any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. His goal in life was to accomplish the ministry that God gave him to do. And as I've told you many a times, if you're still here, he ain't done with you yet. You've got ministry to accomplish for God, so get about it. Get off your duff and get about it. And again, your ministry is different than mine. It's different than yours, different than yours, different than yours. But get about the ministry that God has for you. Paul put his his life at risk many a times for the work of the, the gospel. We remember verses, just real quick, last week, 18 to 27 and 33 to 35, was, was Paul defending himself because we know that when he left, uh, he snuck out of Thessalonica at night, that, the, that the, the Jews that were plotting to harm him there in Thessalonica had a smear campaign against him, he said he's basically his chicken liver. If, if he was sincere, if he was without wax, he would come back and preach the word to us. All they wanted was another chance to kill him had nothing to do with what the ministry or anything they said. So that he, he left, we talked earlier even today, he left Ephesus, he went up and he's coming back around from Corinth, he's coming back around. And they, the, 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 the church in Ephesus, well, I don't know why we do it, but we smear our own. 
And they were, they were smearing Paul again. They were saying things, so he felt like he had to defend himself. And, and basically, most of this passage is that's what it is, is Paul defending himself. Verses 18 to 27 and 33 to 35. He, in 20 to 21, he was teaching the Word. In 22 to 24, the Holy Spirit was talking to him. We talked about that last week. And again, there, the course, the, the Holy Spirit wanted Paul to finish the course, to finish the ministry that the Lord Jesus had given him, to be about the work. Verse 25 to 27, he did it with a clear conscience. Verse 28, he challenges the elders, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Where it says be on guard for yourselves, they had a responsibility to look out for each other. It's called accountability. If there was a brother struggling with a sin, maybe eating meat to the idols and the others didn't think he should, protect each other, guard each other, encourage each other, lift each other up. Bring each other along in the faith. Teach one another. Guard yourself. Be diligent. Be aware. 1 Peter 5 eight won't turn there, but Satan walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan doesn't go after people that aren't active for Jesus. They're no threat. The one he wants to chase and devour and chew up and spit out and tear down is the one that's accomplishing the ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ has given them. So when you start, when you get off your duff and you start fulfilling the ministry that God has for, beware, look out, look around, because it's going to come. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. It's one of the reasons Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, because as soon as he left, they did. He said they would, they did. The leaders weren't diligent like they were supposed to be. Verse 30, from among your own selves, men will arise. From within the church, from within your own group, men will arise. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. People will come in and do and say things to draw others away. That's one of the ways Satan works. To draw away from the flock, to pull away. How do you do in the military? You divide and conquer. It's easier if you can drive up the middle and split the forces. It's easier to conquer them then. It's no different in the spiritual realm. Satan says, I can come in and divide you and split you. I'm going to drag some of you off for this reason and some of you for that reason. Whatever he can do to get his claws in, he will. He wants to. He wants to tear it down because it's God's. It's one thing we know Satan hates is whenever the name of Jesus Christ is exalted. That drives him nuts because God, Jesus Christ, is Satan's enemy. Anything he can do to tear it down, he will do it. Verse 31, be on the alert. Remembering the day and night for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Don't be careless. Don't let your guard down. Don't become lackadaisical. Don't become, eh. That's no threat. That's not a biggie. Absolutely it is. 
Verse 32, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Don't be shallow. Okay, this is, this is each verse has its own don't be for, for a little bit here. But with the don't be is what you should be. Don't be shallow, but build up. I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The the inheritance that we're looking forward to receiving from him someday. That's where we need to be building. Not the attaboys and pats on the back here. We need to be building for eternity there. So don't be shallow. Build. Verse 33, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. Don't be covetous. And again, this is part of Paul's defense, and he's saying, I wasn't this, people, because I was serving our great God and Savior. Verse 34, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Get off your duff. Be about the work so that, in verse 24, that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Don't be lazy. Be about the work. Verse 35, And everything I showed you that the working hard, excuse me, that by working hard in this manner you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Don't be selfish. Don't be greedy. Give. And I mentioned before, and, and, and just in regards to Donna and our missionaries, we're increasing our giving to them. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient to that. Thank you for not being stingy. Thank you for giving to the work of the ministry. And then verse 36 to 38 is the farewell. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the words he had spoken that they should see his face no more, and they were accompanying him to the ship. And they went back to Ephesus and didn't do what he told them to do. To beware. Be on your guard. Be alert. Satan will devour anything and everything he can that has any relationship to the work of Jesus. So how are you serving? Where, where do you see yourself in the ministry that you have received from the Lord Jesus? Where do you see yourself in that ministry? If you've, been, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, are you acting like a baby that still hasn't learned how to crawl? Or if you've been with Jesus for 50 years, now you're crawling again because you're tired and exhausted from the ministry. Don't be lazy. God will give you the energy to do what he wants you to do. 
So be about his work. For his namesake. Because we love him and we want to serve him. Fulfill the ministry. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Paul and the challenge that he was to the, to the church fathers in Ephesus. Father, help us to listen better than they did. Help us to, to complete the ministry that you have for us. Help us to be on our guard, to, to be vigilant, to be aware of what Satan's doing. Just as when he tempted you to, to teach us your words so that we might respond, to, to stand firm and to build on the ministry. That we would use your word and your word alone to do it. Father, teach us this week to be more humble. Teach us this week to be better servants. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.